welcome to Big Feelings, the podcast where two prematurely crotchety weirdos in suburban exile discuss parenting and other odd, gross, and interesting things. I'm Lo, and I sound like this. I'm Ginger, and I sound like this. No, you don't. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of sound like this. And I sound like this. Yeah, so do we have any fruit flies? Mm-hmm. In our backpacks that we want to share. I saw the cutest little thing that my little dude did. So for everyone who um, remembers, he's three. Regis turned three. And um, I found underneath his bed um, his backpack shoved under there with fruit, literal fruit flies coming out. And he had put in his pumpkin, his little tiny little (laughs) pumpkin that he got from the pumpkin patch in his backpack. And shoved it under his bed so nobody else could touch it. That's the it. beginning. Was she? Eh, it was just kind of smelly. But oh. I just thought it was so cute. It was so cute. Oh. I mean. I'm glad you you thought that was cute <laughs> for you. You know, it'll be pornos next. <laughs> oh. Moldy socks. True. Yeah, that's true. Of, of all the gross things to find under your son's bed. Yeah. My son has a library book under his bed somewhere that we were frantically, frantically looking for this morning because we had to get out the door early to drop Sir Beef off at the vet because it's his special day. Oh. Snip, snip. <laughs> snip, snip. Whoa, where'd they go? He's going to be a man. Yeah, only dogs just becoming a man mean you lose your testicles. <laughs> but, uh, you know, everyone's been really waiting on this exciting day, so. It'll be nice to. I mean, to- it's election day, too, but who wants to talk about that? Jesus Let's talk Christ. about my dog's testicles. That's It'll way It'll be nice to cuddle with gross. your dog and have his balls not, like, rub all up on you. Yeah, little grapes. Yeah, and other things that the balls, you know, contribute to, but. Yeah, so he's right. having he's having those snippety snipped, and then his dew claws are coming off because they've just caused problems. Getting so, in the way. Yeah, yeah. so as much as I'm against um, cosmetic surgery for animals, mm-hmm. yeah, because I think they're all just naturally sexy. In this case, it's it's got some uh, sports medicine applications. <laughs> he's such an active guy. But yeah, we had to. I, I did. Guy. I broke and I screamed a little bit this morning. Because I was just like, we have to go. We have an appointment. So I had to get him there and then them to the bus stop. And we all made it where we needed to be. And I'm dressed and I have mascara on. And here I we are. No, I even remember to brush so my fresh. teeth. So fresh today. I'm feeling so fresh you and so clean, great. clean. Also, I'm very excited because I I would like to name our first tulpa of the month. Ooh. Yeah, it's Misty Boots. Congratulations. Misty Boots. Woo! Tulpa of the month. Which I, because she sent me a picture of look what she worked hard on. I saw that. Oh, Misty, it's the best. Isn't it? I would sell some shit to get one of those. I've always yeah. secretly wanted one. Just to see if they work. It's so It's a hat. It's the hat with the cup holders. <laughs> you can you can take and you can sip your what juice? You're supposed to yeah, sip juice. Your beverages. <laughs> Any kind of beverages. It's a you total want. beer hat. It's the hat with the cup holders. But so. she she showed it to us because that's what she earned when she was selling her heart out, selling was it gift wrap or <laughs> it just fundraising? Some shitty fundraising. So uh huh. Yeah. Well, treasure that forever, Misty. Yes. Yeah. And she can amazing. now treasure being the first ever Tulpa of the month. <laughs> I'm sure of many, because, oh, you know, we're man. never going to stop doing this. Actually, never. today is number eight, which is a big milestone because 50% of all podcasts fail by episode seven. So, You know, don't they say that about marriages, too? And, and restaurants. Marriages fail after seven years. It's just like, bam. Oh, seven-year itch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's mm. what it is. So, yay for us. We did it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about mothers and sons today, right? That's right. Yay! Keeping it creepy. And I'm assuming that does this kind of translate into what we're going to be talking about later? So that reminds me, trigger warning, our true crime case this week does involve sexual assault. So if that's going to fuck up your day, please don't listen to it. When we start to blend that gremlin, you can just turn it right off. Mm. That's fine. Good. Yeah, can I, can totally I turn that gremlin that. off? Or? No, you have to sit here and listen to <laughs> can it. Can I? Oh, okay. Sorry, oh, damn it. I know. 
I'll it's, go to my happy place. I know. It's it's hard with true crime. I'm kind of like trying to suss out what's too ooky. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously sexual assault is ooky, but at the same time, like we need to be able to talk about it more because that's part of the fucking problem is that people are so weird about it because mm-hmm. it's sexual. Right. So, I mean, you know, so you know how, how I feel about my bidet, right? Like, oh yeah. And how okay. I feel about bidets in general. This is not sponsored by bidets, but let me just say, everybody should have a bidet. Y'all gross out there if you don't have a bidet. Hashtag, did, wait, wait, wait. Hashtag I, bidet life. But I'm I'm just, so, how does this transition so sexual I'm, I'm assault I'm with there. bidets? Just get in Are the you van. assaulted every time get you poo? The, no, get in the van. So I was sent an article about a friend of mine who knows about my bidet obsession. And it was all about how, how America got away from bidets and, you know, the rest of the world uses them, Japan, Europe. And it was about it being associated with, with sex and femininity because, you know, women would use them to freshen up Mm. after the sexy time and also during menstruation and all this other stuff. So it became Mm. associated during World War II with, you know, the houses of ill repute that the soldiers would, would frequent. And so it became seen as this thing that sex workers do. And isn't that weird? Yeah, it was a really illuminating article and it just made me even more angry and even more, it made me want to hoist my bidet pride flag even higher. I'll tell anybody. If anybody that will oh, not run bidet. away from me about how much I love my bidet, everybody wash your butt. It has, you have brought my attention to the fact that it's not the toilet water that's in the bowl currently that gets sprayed oh up in there. <laughs> what? I'm very, okay. I'm bidet literate. Yeah, exactly. It's like the cute British lady says in the shit wipe commercial where it's like, if you have something on your arm, do you just take a dry, like, say you got peanut no. butter on your arm. Are you going to just wipe it with a dry paper towel? No, no, no. No, no you're just going to smear it everywhere. And the water does come out of a fresh yeah, area out of your, your sink. Yeah. Not even your tank. You're not just squirting shit water back. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. But okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. So everybody okay. get a bidet. I recommend I have the Neo 320. I got it on Amazon for $57. The only thing is, is that your toilet and your sink need to be next to each other because you do attach the lines to your sink. But please wash your butt. Okay. It's good. It's so good. I mean, now I get angry hmm. when I have to do the poo-poos somewhere that <laughs> I'm like, oh, can't I hold it till I get home? I don't want to do this here. They don't have a bidet. It's like I only want to shit in sushi <laughs> restaurants now. Like, ooh, is there a Japanese restaurant around? Maybe they'll have one. I was actually going to suggest that we try not to talk about poop in this episode, but whatever. What? We can't not talk poop about cast. poop. Come on. Okay. Um, but yeah, so let's get back to our topic, mothers oh, and sons. Right, right. I uh, was thinking about this a lot, obviously studying this case because it's insane, this insane mother-son relationship. But the way I came down on it, and I even like read a couple articles online, and, and there's not really a definitive like, yes, it's called this, and it's this psychological thing, and this is the causation of like why we feel differently about our sons than we do mm. our daughters, but... The way I came down on it was, I feel like I love them both the same, but it's like my love for Clem is like, if it were music, it would be Dog and Butterfly by Heart, or maybe Landslide by Fleetwood Mac, or the Dixie Chicks, either version, not the Smashing Pumpkins version. And and my love for my son is like death metal cookie monster. <laughs> like, dun, 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 dun. They're both music. They're both yeah. enjoyable to listen to, but one's a little more scary. Yeah. <laughs> Did I get it? Oh, that hits it right <laughs> on the head. That's perfect. And I don't know about Harold, but Jameis loves death metal. He oh, funny. He loves cookie monster music. <laughs> And he'll like act it out, like he'll have his fake guitar, and he's like, "No, mom, turn it up! No, turn it up!" It just really gets it out for him. Oh, yeah. I call that junting. Junt, 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 junt. Yes. Junt, get your junt I don't on. even know where he got that. I, it must just be something in the genes where. It just- oh my god! How mortified would your husband be if your son turned out to be a juggalo? Oh shoot! Well. Um, or Juggalo adjacent. Like if he started, you know, wearing guyliner and found Gene Co. somewhere and like went to Hot Topic. 
Can I get him a Hot Topic <laughs> gift card for, I'm going to get Jameis a Hot Topic <laughs> Yes, you can. So he can get his own. I don't even know any bands from that genre anymore. Oh, like, God. It's weird. So the only thing I could think of is that when you're a woman and you have your daughter, you can't help that sort of project yourself onto Ooh. like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, I do that. Or I did that. And it kind of messes with your your feelings. Like, not bad. or not saying it like poisons the well. Mm-hmm. But when you're a mother with your son, it's like there's no boundaries. Yeah. You can just love without any of these associations and theoretically Mm -hmm. you you created this being with a man Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. you know so also that comes into play of like you project you love this man and and you project all of the things also you know so instead of yourself being superimposed on that kid this husband that you love Mm -hmm. is sort of superimposed over the Mm -hmm. top of them and and it's like a magnifier Mm -hmm. and it goes both ways right Mm -hmm. like i feel like yeah Jameis interacts with you differently mm-hmm. than the girls, than I ever saw the girls. Yeah. He, well, he There's won't like let a- me out of his sight, first of all. <laughs> Mom, where you go? Went in the bathroom? Mom, Mom, can I give you a hug? Mom, how dare you talk to someone besides me? <laughs> no. I'm going to crawl on your face. Yeah. It's funny that he has this obsession with me wearing, wearing pony ponytails. Okay. He can't have my hair down. So oh. he tells me all the time, he says, no, Mom, pony. Put a, put a pony in, Mom. It's a little creepy. That's like, controlling. I'll be in the car and I'll let my hair down because yeah, I'm like, oh, it's gonna, yes. then, yeah, pony I'm down the seat rest. And yeah. he's like, from the back of the fucking car, no, Mom, pony. And I'm just like, oh, not right now, honey. And not, and we mm-hmm. don't tell women what to do with their bodies. I know. Oh my gosh, I feel Let's like now is now. the time to tell. Yeah, him and his Actually, sister were true. down here fighting. And she's like, no, Jameis, no. And I heard myself say, Jameis, when somebody asks you to stop, you stop. That's right. Did she tell you to stop? You don't ever, ever, ever keep going. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. Time yeah. out for you, buddy. Yeah. So I had to do that with me because Harold, when he, when, when it's just him and I and we're somewhere and he's nervous, like I'm thinking of his meeting with his kindergarten teacher the way he deals with it is to shove his hands under my shirt and, and like walk in a circle around me. Oh yeah. And, um, I had to be like, you need to stop touching me. Yeah. This, I don't like this. It's inappropriate. Please stop. And yeah. you know, so yeah. he does, but then also too, even with my husband, cause my husband will be like tickling Harold and kind of terrorizing him. And I've had to tell my husband like, Hey, if he's saying stop, like it goes both ways. Yeah. You know, this is how he's going to learn right. about consent. If you don't respect him saying no, then, you know, doesn't yep. that make sense? Yeah. And of course my husband gave me an eye roll, but <laughs> you know, course, but I know, but I do, I do think that that's true. Another thing about boys, little boys, it's hard, it's hard for me to tell what is him just being a third born kid versus being a boy, but there is just some major differences. Oh, heck yeah. Those people that say they can raise genderless children named Cloudy. (laughs) Have you read those stories about the ones where they don't allow, like they make the midwife sign a non-disclose about the kid's gender and all that stuff? Yeah. Because they're going to reveal themselves. Um, got to live your the life. Bathtub bath time is really always fun. Cause he usually, when he's taking his bath, the girls, one of them will usually come in and say, mom, James is playing with his penis again. Mm. And he's usually just in there just flapping it around yeah. and, and all that stuff. And I just have to say, you know, it's just, this is the beginning of them being fascinated with their penis. It'll be forever. Mm. And just, that's just the way it is. Also, that's his private time. That's true. Like, it's not his fault if you're if you're walking in on him in the bath. <laughs> I, if I had a penis, I'd probably be, I mean, you know, we talked about it in the last episode. I clearly have penis envy with my desire to urinate standing up <sighs> and my, my pee funnels. Yeah. You know, like, it's just, I trip out. Like, it's got to be so weird. To me... Female genitalia just makes so much more sense. It's all tucked away. It's, it's all protected. But we it's, don't so, have, it's a little boring, I have to say. It would be pretty awesome. It would be so great I to don't have know. a little... Wieners and balls just look... It looks How can you inverted. not play with them? Well, also, but they're so vulnerable. It does, yeah. to me, look like internal organs that <laughs> somehow have, like, herniated out. Like, 
I don't, I can't imagine having something that is so, yeah, so squishy. Like I said, like it's kind of like who goes to male strip clubs. And if you do go to a, a male strip club, are you going in with the sole objective of like, oh, I want to have that guy's balls just right on my shoulder. <laughs> you know, I want some, I want some hairy flappadappa just helicoptering around. Like I think, yeah, it's, it's everything that happens before uh, the banana hammock is flies off. Before the banana hammock. It's so true. You're not there to see, I want to see a dick, <laughs> you know? Whereas like, fem- and then you go, I've spent a lot more time in lady strip clubs uh. Because I'm, yeah, I'm, you know, on the scale, oh. I'm pretty darn straight, but yeah. I don't want to. Eh. It's more real. I want to honest. Naked ladies like, are pretty. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Truly. I agree. The porn is not, now that we're talking about porn, the porn is not the, the image of it. It's like the possibility. It's for me, it's like, oh, yeah. well, ha- have you been to strip clubs? I have, have not. Have you lived? No, I haven't. Never one? Not one. Mm-mm. And you're, uh, you've never just, been to Portland? No, I have. Well, yeah, what? I've been to Portland. I just haven't been to any strip Because they got naked ladies just randomly. Like, it's like, I, I tell people, it's like if you were to go to Linda's, and it's like there's pull tabs, and there's like video poker. And then over here, we have uh, Jessica's here because it's Wednesday. <laughs> and it's like there's the pool table, and then a few feet away, there's like a little six foot by six foot, you know, 18 inch raised thing. And yeah, and there's Amanda. She's here. It's Tuesdays. And so I remember once going in, going into one of those places with a friend and they're like waving at her. They're like, Oh, Hey, Amanda, how you doing? Good to see you. And she's up there like gyrating, you know, like, Oh, Hey guys, regulars, you know? So that's Portland. I've also been to the yeah. Acropolis and Acropolis. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Acropolis and had a steak. And then I did, it was good steak. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Got a lap dance. I was profoundly uncomfortable. I didn't need it. I didn't want it. Um, but you know, she had very soft skin and smelled like you know the requisite raspberry fantasy body spray. Yeah. Um. Mm. So that you know, I've had these experiences. Yeah, that's I've been, cool. Yeah, I've been that's to cool, deja man. vu with the windows. Uh huh. Open your heart. Oh, <sighs> you know, I will say too, those places uh, don't usually have a women's restroom, and you know, I have to pee like every uh, so that I've had some adventures but yeah so I, mothers and sons I feel like yeah with with Clem we love each other deeply but there's this membrane there sometimes mm-hmm. I, I, I get frustrated I don't know how to puncture that I mm-hmm. feel like yeah there's just something there mm-hmm. it's weird mm-hmm. that's not there with Harold and I mm-hmm. and it kind of goes both ways hmm. I don't know It'll be interesting for me in the next few years to see kind of how it's progressing. Because right now it's just crazy time. He's a, like a fucking wild animal running around all the time and hitting things and just biting his sisters and oh dear. throwing things. and Oh, yeah. But then there's the really sweet times where they dress him up like a dog or <laughs> and he's like, woof, woof, and... Or they play like video games with him where he's like putting eyeliner on a, on a little girl, Mm -hmm. like in a video game character or something. I absolutely adore, adore my son. He's super cute, but he won't leave me the fuck alone. But don't you feel like, so again, I think about this a lot. My, my love for Clementine, it's, it's like this, this lovely glowing flame, you know? And my love for Harold is like the fucking sun. It's just like thermonuclear. <laughs> like it does. It kind of, it weirdly scares me. And I did, I did not see this coming at all. I yeah. mean, when we found out we're having a boy, it was like, okay, cool. We'll have one of each. And everybody says that that's good. Like we did, you know, we did everything the way that people recommend. Cause they say, I think a three year split is best. Yeah. You know, older girl, younger boy. And it is, it's working out beautifully. They, <laughs> they get along really well. But yeah, this like burn in love, like mm. that it, it's, yeah, it's just your boy. It's my boy. Your boy. So yeah, yeah, I guess I'm just saying I understand Norma Bates <laughs> a little better than I used to. Oh my God. I understand more how it can so easily just contort into this really 
blindingly powerful, toxic thing. And then again, like knowing what I know about all these serial killers, where it's like, oh yeah, of course, this is like, we could power the the whole country off of this if we could figure out how to make, you know, mother son love into a viable energy source. Like, yeah, it's intense, man. It is intense. It's the greatest love of all. It's a little hard for me to handle at this point. I feel like I'm just starting to begin, you know, this, this journey with my son. I mean, having two older girls, it's been a lot of, uh, everything is more emotional. Everything's way more, you talk things out and Mm -hmm. everything is like, they remember traumatic things way longer. And so I've been used to like that, that temperament this whole time. And then little dude comes along. He like does something and and then he comes up to you like two seconds later. He's like, mommy, I'm sorry. And you're like, okay, (laughs) okay. Everything's better. I love you too. Oh God. Well, and like hair, I'm, I'm super messy. So the other day I was making chocolate milk or something and those stupid Costco, you know, those Costco milk jugs that they just suck. Oh, they're like rectangular. And so I spilled milk all over the place and I was facing away from Harold. But the next thing I knew, he's like, here you go, mommy. And he's handing me a towel. Like he's just, they're our little buddies, right? Yeah, they are. Like it's weird. And sometimes I like, I feel bad for my husband. Then. I know. Yeah. It's like this <laughs> impenetrable binary system. Uh-huh. And that doesn't mean the sun's not shining over there or over there, but mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. Right. Gosh, we're lucky. We get it all. Right. Women, women have got it all. My husbands do get the shaft. I will say that Jameis, um, I wouldn't he, say women have got it all. Cause my next story you're going to hear about like, Oh, you know how f- fucked women are, but God damn it. Anyway, sorry. You're going to, I'm going gonna... to shatter all my dreams. It's, it's a good one. Well, so he sleeps with us, but it's not, it's not mom and dad's bed. It's mommy's bed. And <laughs> whenever Josh comes down, he says, okay, it's time, time to go, you know, to your bed. He's like, no, mommy's bed, mommy's bed. And it, and it really is this thing. It's like, okay, so. We've even, we even tried it. We said, go oh, daddy, s- I cock block. <laughs> oh my God. My husband would totally be like, yeah, Ginger, you hear that? That's true. It's so true. Get him into his own bed. And he even has to come all the way down because our bed's right across from Harold. So half the time, fucking bedtime shit show. What ends up happening is we've, we've made, so the dog now has to sleep in, in the kitchen. Cause I, he just, yeah, it, that was crazy. So I got Harold a deluxe plush mattress because I'm like, fuck this. Oh. So hmm. Clem and Harold and Jeremy are in my bed, quote, finger quotes. And I end up in Harold's bed. But now that Harold has this super plush mattress, I'm like, this is my, <laughs> this is my fortress of solitude. This is my, Heidi hole. So I have a whole full size bed to myself uh-huh. without sweaty feet kicking me. Oh. And so oh. then I go back into my room at some point. And you're like, Ugh. yeah. Oh my gosh. That's genius. No, that's I fi- it took me a while to figure it out. We've gone through a lot of weird furniture configurations and we've bought a few beds and we've probably wasted a bunch of money and yeah. it's, you're just trying to figure it out. You know, and then your kids fucking lie to your face. Yeah, mommy, I'll totally stay in my bed if you do this and this. If you get me this bed, I would totally sleep in it. If I had that little mermaid comforter, that would make me sleep in my bed. Now I want the one with the unicorn. Then I would sleep in my bed. It's not about the fucking blanket, you liar head. (laughs) We got her one of those loft beds from Ikea, which I didn't really think through. And then, and then she's like... You know, you got to climb all the way up and down that ladder. (laughs) It's just one more barrier to her. Like, (sighs) okay. So the greatest trick of them all is you say, yeah, you can come and sleep with me, but you have to sleep on the floor in the sleeping bag. And at first they think that it's pretty awesome Mm. to have a little sleeping bag on the floor. Then they realize that it's dusty down there and it's really hard and uncomfortable. But if they really want to be next to you, you just throw them on the floor. They, my kids would just, they would, I'm telling you, they would not go for that. Also, I would step on them. <laughs> I'd like swing my legs around at some point and be like, oh shit. Cause there's like just a little strip on either side of our bed. Uh, but, you know, at the foot, at the foot of the bed. Try it I out. I have my, I just, like I said, I just move on over. I'd go to Harold's room and I shut the door. Yeah. It's great. 
Yeah. You know, because Jeremy gets up at four. So if I do that, then yeah, I don't get woken up at four. And- you know what I just now realized is that I forced my girls to sleep on the floor. Oh, I do. I okay. put him in sleeping bags on the floor, and then when Jameis comes out, I'm like, Jake, just get in here. And you're like, get some snuggies. <laughs> Come to mama. <laughs> get back in that uterus. The other thing that I noticed, too, hmm. is that my expectations for Harold are are much lower. <laughs> like, you know, whenever Clem does something, I'm like, well, of course you're smart. You're a girl. Oh, of course you're capable. You're a girl. You know, and yeah. then Harold does, like, this smallest thing, and I'm like, oh. <gasps> Look at you. You're so smart. And it's just a normal thing. But I'm so ex- my, ex- my expectations because he's a boy. Is, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's like yeah. how much of it is being the young, younger, your yeah. last baby, especially when you know you're done. Yeah. When yeah. the shit is shut down. I mean, don't do you think that has to do with your potty training delay that you're like, you want to? Yeah. Letting go of the baby. I was actually just going to bring that up. It's like, so we have been, so he pees on the potty. We now. We talked about this. We talked about. He's on the potty all the time. Yeah. Which I think is still funny because he celebrates it like it's brand new. (laughs) Mom, oh my God, I peed on the potty. Yeah, you just, you've done that. In the chamber pot or in the toilet? In the chamber pot. Like the hundredth time you've done it, but we're still celebrating it. He's still just backing it all up. So I think I just got to get a different seat. Put on the the big bidet. Oh my god! Add some excitement. Oh my goodness sake! But yeah, Harold actually loves the bidet, but his he, you know it's his butt's too small and it squirts his just, back. <laughs> just gets his little cheeks. <laughs> you know you can't bidet someone else. Only you can bidet yourself. All right. Everybody needs a bidet. You get a bidet. I mean, if I won the lottery, everybody I knew would get a bidet for Christmas. I've th- actually thought like they're fifty-seven dollars. Fucking Oprah. Like of people. Bidets. Oh my god. I am the I am the Oprah of shitting. <laughs> I will. I want you to do it. I want you to own it. I want you to manifest your power. Harness, harness it, and release and release. Excrete <laughs> that power. Holy All right. shit. I'm ready to mush that gremlin. Okay. So Let's do it. Since this is episode eight, and there's some people that may not have listened to episode one, because you can barely hear it. <laughs> I'm going to fix that soon. <laughs> I'm figuring it out. I feel like you can actually hear me learning how to use so, <laughs> editing software yeah. as we go. But I'm figuring little it out. Baby podcasters. It's a little baby. We decided that this podcast would take a gremlins format. Mm-hmm. Where it's cute and fuzzy for the first half, and then second half we feed the gremlin after midnight. We give it some water, and then we put it in the blender, and yeah. shit gets weird and gross. So, and I feel like even before we started this podcast, this is what our hangout sessions would be like. Yes, because we thirst. You and I thirst for like this. Let's, let's just talk about something just fucking gritty. We don't want to talk about fucking minivans all the time. Well, I have shit. And now I'm, I have so, I have these stories that I'm like, I don't know if I want to put you through them or where your thresholds are, you well, know. Well, today might be the day. Today might be the day where I'm just like, no, nope, this one's can't not. Can't be friends anymore. No. Well, okay. So I read a book. <laughs> I actually like. I'm learn so the other thing I'm learning how to do is I'm autodidacting how to research and how to, you know, take notes. I never went to college, so this is all kind of new for me. I'm enjoying it because uh, I like to learn. I like feeling my brain grow. We're gonna get gross with the story of Frederick Harlan Coe, also known as the South Hill Rapist. Where is where is Frederick from? He is from the city of Spokane, which hosted the 1974 World's Fair. I've only driven through Spokane. Have you ever partied in Spokane? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh So it's in Washington State, but it's on the other side of the mountains, which, let's face it, is Mm -hmm. a completely different world. Spokane, a lot of immigrant families, a lot of... My impression of it is just meth, like pretty much the other side of the mountains, though. It's like farms and meth. Yeah. But this took place before meth when it was just this lovely little small size city they had a bloomsday race every year so it, i didn't i kind of forgot that like jogging was like a bloomsday. thing in the early 80s oh yeah yeah it's this race bloomsday is this race that oh, they would my do, family that I, do that all the time oh, okay so yeah. there you go mm-hmm. you, you know about it so i for this story read a most of a book i, I i'm a fast reader but 
It's a big book called Son, A Psychopath and His Victims by Jack Olson. Highly recommend the book. Really good. Really compelling read. The other super fun thing is there is a TV movie made in 1991 starring Elizabeth Montgomery of Bewitched fame called The Sins of the Mother. Had I had enough lead time, I I would have had to have ordered it from a third party on DVD format. And so with like weeks of delivery, but YouTube has it. And so at first I found this frustrating and then I realized it was a, is a gift. I picked the turd up and once I dusted it off, it was a nugget of gold (laughs) because someone decided on YouTube, they're a huge Elizabeth Montgomery fan clearly. And so they edited this movie down to just the scenes with Elizabeth Montgomery who played Fred Coe's mother, Ruth. So this story is horrific because it's sexual assault, but it's fascinating because Fred and Ruth are fucking bat shit psychopath in insane weirdos. They are mother and son. Oh, mother son. But, sorry. But they comport themselves like a couple. Kevin, I'm not going to call him Kevin. He changed his name legally to Kevin in 1982. He preferred to be called Kevin. So I'm going to call him Fred. Great. Because he's just such a piece of shit. He's one of these people we kind of touched on before of these like hollow people where they don't experience emotion. They have no problem with just saying whatever. Mm. Lie, 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 lie. So Kevin liked to practice what he called situational ethics. So just insert visually mm. massive finger quotes at, at, about that. Okay. So that meant that his moral and ethical code was just sort of whatever works in that moment. He was married to a woman named Jennifer. It sounds like he basically drove her insane. She ended up turning to alcohol and just becoming this looking for Mr. Goodbar, like raging alcoholic. She left Mm. him and basically just became like a bar fly. And this guy had these like insane delusions of grandeur. And it was always like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this great thing. He was a big talker and he wasn't much of a doer. And he always had weird sexual hangups and behaved really inappropriately sexually. He and his like what? Like behave inappropriate. So he started as like a peeping Tom. Some of his early sexual experiences are questionably consensual. One of them involves this poor girl that, in the book, it describes this 14-year-old girl arranging a gangbang, which she supposedly took part of, that I don't Mm. think a 14-year-old girl can really Mm. consent to anything, Mm -hmm. let alone make arrangements for all this to happen. Mm -hmm. So I think that was one of his first experiences. He was diagnosed with personality disorder, unspecified, and narcissistic and antisocial traits. He almost had a similar escalation to the Golden State Killer, where he started with like peeping Tom stuff and it was kind of portrayed as like, it was, you know, it was the eighties. Everybody liked to peep in the windows of those hot social girls, you know, and he's like climbing up trees and, um, and um, then like back to the future once he's, yeah, kind of. And then once he started actually doing all these things in about 1978, 1979, it's weird because at that point he's in his early thirties and he's doing this like crazy juvenile stuff. Like he had this foot long dildo that he would chase women around with. And he would like jump out from bushes and be like, what do you think about this? Ah!" Um, I, you know, I mean, you kind of want to laugh, but at the same time, you know, I'm laughing at you doing it. Yeah. I'm not laughing at that situation. Well, that's the thing too, is these women would be like, what the fuck? Like, what? What do you, uh, another time he was spotted just running bottomless, just running along the road. And he would do so many of these assaults in broad daylight, just in a yard, in an alley, middle of the day. And what's really heartbreaking and hard to deal with is he was able to be so prolific because first of all, when you have no problem lying, he would just make up these outlandish stories. So he would come up with these crazy stories and and people would believe him. And part of the hard thing about dealing with people like this is in his mind, he's not lying. So it's these people that are so crazy that they do a thing, they do a fucked up thing. And then they're like, 
okay, uh, I'm going to create a new reality where X, Y, and Z happened. And that truly is their reality. So in a weird way, they're not lying because they've just completely rewritten history. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple crazy people close to me that have, they do this you, and you can't mm-hmm. argue with them yeah. because they're just straight up like, no, that's not what happened. And it's like, well, I have pictures of it. Well, those are fake. Well, I have a video of you doing it. Well, uh, I'm being framed. Him and Jenny had this really crazy relationship. And then afterwards he got together kind of confusingly with this lady named Ginny. And of course he's mooching off of her. He gets her into the real estate profession, which was always what he quote unquote did for a living. There's a lot of finger quotes in this. He never really sold any houses. He sold like one house to his parents. You know, the people that would hire him because he was handsome and he was charismatic and he could talk a really good game. And so they're like, Hey, you really have what it takes to hustle some real estate. And he would come at them with these big plans. And I, I'm going to be the biggest salesman in the whole Spokane Valley you, you see. And then the state of Washington and no, no, no. And they'd be like, okay, sounds great. And then I'd hire him and he'd never come in the office. But what he would do was he would use his ability to, as a realtor, get into these houses to be a fucking creep. And one of the places fired him and they were coming after him because at that time you actually had a lockbox with a key on the door and he wouldn't give them back their key. So without that key, they couldn't be an MLS registered realtor because they, you can't have these keys just out floating around at people's properties. And so that was like a thousand dollar fine for them. And they never got that key back and people would routinely, you know, they're going to sell their house. They would come home all different hours and he'd be in their fucking house. God. And what's amazing to me too is how often people are just like, oh, all right then. So there was one couple, they come home, he's in their house and they're like, uh, hello. And I think again, because he is a fairly handsome, normal looking white man. And he'd be like, oh yeah, uh, I'm just measuring your drapes. This is just how I work, you know, and people would go for it. So one of the things that him and his fucking crazy mom did was the alibi that they came up with for all of these rapes was that he was actually in a vigilante crew with his mom. And the reason that his travel patterns matched up so closely with the rapes were because he was actually chasing the real rapist. It's so frustrating too, because it's another one of those deals, just like in all the movies where assaults involving minors were sent to the young people's bureau. The rapes were assigned to one detective. The assaults were assigned to another, the attempted rapes to another, the peepings to another. And I don't know that they ever truly connected that this was the same guy doing all of this shit. Spokane rapes went from 49 in 1978, 69 in 1979, 127 in 1980. And they barely considered it a crime at that point. So the, the police captain, Dick Olberding, and this is a quote from the book. So he had a message of his own for the panicky woman of South Hill. Although it wasn't easy for the press to ring it out of him, he told a persistent television reporter named Flo Jonick, which, yeah, you got to go into TV news with a name like Flo Jonick. There is a simple way to handle the problem of rape. Quote, just lay back and enjoy it. End what? quote. Then he ordered his desk man to suppress all rape reports. The next time the rape was struck, only the police and his victim would know. So their way of dealing with this was to mm-hmm. keep it out of the press because you don't want all these hysterical ladies freaking out. Shit was getting around the whisper net anyways. The women of Spokane, they were starting to carry mace. They were taking self-defense courses. You couldn't get into a self-defense course. They were all booked up. But he would also follow the bus. He, he knew all the bus routes and he get off. Yeah. He would follow the bus and see who would get, who was getting off the brazenness with this. And then the other problem with the Spokane police department is that they were super understaffed. So they just, they were really trying to catch him in the act. And so they were, they put out decoys and stuff and he wouldn't go for it. But another problem that they had with keeping track of him was he drove like a fucking asshole, like residential streets in Spokane. 25 mile an hour speed limit, he's going 50. So they literally couldn't keep up with him without making it obvious that they were on his tail. They even put a um, tracking device on his car and. Well, you can't just pull him over. No, because, because they had to, it's so hard at this point to prove a sexual assault case. They knew that if they could get him on one ironclad case and just get him put away for that. You know, they knew that there was no way they could prove 
all of these myriad fucking dildo attacks and wiener wiggling and all this weird shit that he's doing. (laughs) You can laugh at dildo attack. I mean, it gets to the point where he's escaping the cops at one point and there's this other cop who himself is a triathlete and jogger. And so he knew that they were in pursuit. He's like, well, I'm going to be running. And so this guy is running and Fred Co drives past him and waves and is like winking. It was this crazy cat and mouse game. But they did finally catch him because a school custodian saw his pretty distinctive car parked at the scene of one of the rapes at the time that it took place. So I think that's how they finally nabbed him. The other weird thing that he did that threw people off was, so personalized license plates were yellow, regular ones are white. And he put yellow cellophane on his license plate to make it look personalized, but it wasn't a personalized license plate. But he was just trying to look fancy. And the other stupid thing, too, with the cops where you're just like, was they had a hot tip on this car. It was a Chevy Citation, kind of silverish colored. And they look it up and they're like, oh, well, it belongs to this guy, Gordon Coe, but he's way too old to be the rapist. Meh. There's so many times where they almost had him and then they're just like, meh. The other thing about Fred Coe was the women who were ha- suffering these attacks kept describing him as being like in his 20s. They looked him up and they're like, well, he's too old. It can't be him. But he's just a very youthful looking guy. He was really into his appearance. He would frequently change his appearance. He would get perms. He would dye his hair. He would go on these extreme diets and talk about, you know, cleanses. He had this whole grooming routine. He would step out of the shower and dry himself, carefully patting his armpits, genitals, and toes with Kleenex. Um, so that's fun. He used like anti-balding stuff. A lot of the women that he attacked described this distinctive smell and it was this super fancy shampoo and body wash that he used. But yeah, he was very particular about his hair and his outfits and stuff. So all about like appearance. Okay. So where were these rapes happening? You said, was it just broad daylight? Is that what you were saying? So frequently. But also, also a lot of times was at he, night. Was he attacking a certain kind of woman? Oh, good question. Thank you. Yes, he preferred petite, dark or auburn-haired women. Okay, so which makes sense because his mom was his mom was a beautiful woman, petite, and then that like jet black. She'd frequently wear wigs, jet black hair, and blue eyes, kind of that Liz Taylor okay, kind of thing. Okay. She really fancied herself like a Vivian Lee or Liz Taylor okay. type. And then what's interesting is that he would have a fight with his mom or a fight with Jenny or Jenny. And then he would put out on his jogging clothes and, and go for a jog. So there's a direct correlation between him having these disagreements with women in his life and then going out and perpetrating these crimes. Mm. The women that he would attack would frequently say that he, he wasn't hard, you know, that he was trying to insert himself and he was flaccid. A lot of these women too, they're just teeny tiny. They're like a hundred, 125 pounds, maybe. So he would come up behind them and put his arm around their neck. And then his other thing that was very distinctive, which makes it even more frustrated that no one caught on to it. Again, though, late 70s, early 80s, you don't have, what is it, VICAP. You don't have DNA. You don't have computer systems that you could punch something like this in. I think now you could probably just run an algorithm about this because he had some very specific methodology and you could pretty easily mm-hmm. make a correlation. I guess at that time, they'd never seen anything like this before. And then again, it doesn't help when it's barely considered a crime. It was kind of more of this like nuisance mm-hmm. thing of mm-hmm. like, oh, you believe this wackadoodle's out doing this? So he would come up behind a woman and he would shove uh, his hand into their mouth while he was wearing a glove or sometimes an oven mitt. Oh, and then later during trial, he denied ever having owned an oven mitt. I don't care if all you eat is microwave food. Like everybody owns an oven mitt, motherfucker. Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no. So he, with Jenny, Ginny, G-I-N-I, his second wife, girlfriend, I don't think they ever got married. He would come home with steaks and fancy wine and he would have, he would take cash from her. So he expected her to pay for half of the dinner. And then we find out that he's usually shoplifted that food. So the other mark of a psychopath is when they get caught doing whatever they're doing, they get disproportionately self-righteous. And so he got busted shoplifting 
for the gajillionth time at this store. And I think they were finally like, that's it, dude. We've seen you do this in here a million times. We're pressing charges. And he wrote like a 20 page letter to like the prosecuting attorney and they let him off. They gave him three days of community service. And even Ginny was like, dude, just even if it is a misunderstanding, just let it go. And he's like, this is outrageous. This is a miscarriage of justice. And he's just like freaking the fuck out. The mother-son stuff comes in too. So one of the things that I got to see with this like compressed Elizabeth Montgomery clip reel was also, by the way, the one of the reviews of this movie was like, oh my God, her performance is over the top. This movie's just crazy. She's, she's too broad. no. She is being Ruth Coe. Like her performance is spot on. And most of the dialogue in the movie is taken directly from the book. So this is shit that she actually said. So she would alternately berate, but then smother him. So it was like this like whiplash of like, you're nothing but a piece of shit. You'll never be anything. Then I hope to see you at dinner tonight, Smoky Boo. Oh, and she called him son. That was, that's what she called him by. And then she had a daughter named Kathleen that for some reason she referred to as the great children. That's weird, huh? What? I know. And for instance, the first time that he brought Ginny home, his mother was dressed up like Scarlett O'Hara and proceeded to go off on this whole thing about how she was raised in the South and, um, obviously a bunch of racist shit. She was obsessed with gone with the wind. This bitch was from Spokane, but yeah, she had a Southern accent. People talked about Ruth and Fred, both like talking with accents for no reason. Sometimes just bonker, bonker, bonkers. I'm trying to picture what it would be like to actually know somebody like this. That's this far into it. I think it's narcissism, dude. I think she's such an extreme narcissist that everyone, everyone around you is just, and I think this is how he operated too. Everyone around you is just, what do I have to say to this person to get them to do what I need? Give me money, give me a job with no thought either of, cause another psychopathic trait is like no ability to think about how this is going to play out. Like it's, uh-huh. they're not long con people. It's yeah. just, what do I need right now? So in the shoplifting case, he actually coached Ginny to lie for him on the stand. And then when he got caught for all of these sexual assaults, there were uh, six in total that he ended up getting prosecuted for. He then had uh, a childhood friend of his that he was trying to coach and cajole into lying for him on the stand. And he just thought it was so weird that people were reluctant to do this. Like, what's, what's the big deal? I just need you to go up there and just say the shit, you know? And people were like, well, it's a big deal to, to lie. No, it's not. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's perjury, dude. Like I could go to jail for this too. Yeah, whatever. It'll be fine. And that's the frustrating thing then too, is that it always had been fine. It had always worked out for him. And then his mom is just a fucking asshole too. She knew Mm -hmm. they all, his dad knew. So his mom She's a real peach, and she says, uh, this is another quote from the book, Ruth Coe started talking about rape at the house. It's no big deal, she told Jay. I've known women who were raped and didn't let it bother them. They picked themselves up and dusted themselves off. Cindy Safford has been raped twice. It didn't ruin her life. And again, this is a wow. This is a quote that's also in the movie. So Ruth, fucking crazy, real hot and cold. People would overhear him at his real estate office screaming on the phone with her like having these arguments that would sound a lot more like a lover's spat, but he'd be like on the phone in the real estate office, like, fuck you, you fucking bitch. I fucking hate you. And then his wife or Ginny would see him later and and be like, Oh, what'd you do? Oh, I went over to my mom's. So he hung out over there all the time. I think a lot of times it was just because he was hungry, Mm. but they had this really bizarre, just like love, hate Mm. relationship. I wonder like, this whole time I'm just thinking, I don't, this couldn't play out like this in today, in today's time. I don't, I don't think he would have been able, I mean, again, the amount of crimes is mind blowing. And when you see that statistic of the sexual assaults almost doubling and let's remember too, 
those are just the ones that are reported. Right. There was one lady that he fucking raped twice. He raped her. She reported it. It happened again. She, while it's going on, she basically looks up at him and is like, I think you already did this to me. And he's like, no, 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 that wasn't me. <laughs> and she's like, okay. I'm pretty sure it was. And Jesus she goes home and it's just like, she literally in the book, it says she's got her hand on the phone and she's like, you know what? Why bother? Why bother? She'd already been through the horror of being processed and swabbed and nothing happened. They didn't catch the guy. So she's like, mm. she didn't bother. And there were a lot of other women too that felt the same way. So when you look at the amount of reported assaults, you probably should like triple that. And, and the age range I think was the youngest victim was 13 or 14 and the oldest was in her fifties. So we're talking about a time period where it's still laissez faire, where we're not really giving enough credit to the women saying, Oh, oh I was being assaulted. Hell and, no. And, but it's some mixed. of these women were still told like, what, well, what were you doing out? Yeah. What were you? Oh, but it, it's crazy to think about how we we're still kind of in that mindset it's still hard to shake that of yeah. like, well, what was she wearing? You know, what, what, what was it? Was anything sort of triggering for this person or we're just in a weird, like just hearing all of this stuff. It's so unbelievable. Yeah. But at that time, Oh God. Yeah. And this is another one of those, like reading this book and, and the level of frustration, like there, like here's one that I highlighted where she just, the, the woman had moved. So she, she reported it, she pressed charges, but then she moved and she never got the letter from the prosecutor's office to follow up. So there were a few like that too, where it just fell through the cracks. And so this guy, he's real slick. Yeah. He would um, outrageously reel off pseudo facts and imaginary statistics. So he was kind of trolling, you know, he would just, and, and, and this says, and this says, and back then you couldn't just Google shit. You couldn't look it up in your phone and be like, actually, I think you're full of shit. Yeah. So you could totally get away with being this total, just bullshit artist without anybody catching you on your shit. But I think it's interesting that you have a, you have a single year increase of almost double in any crime. And that, I mean, I'm not a police officer, but you'd think you'd, you'd be like, huh, what's going on? Let's look into this. But again, they're, the communication's all wonky. They would make a task force, but then they wouldn't get anything and it would be too much of a strain on their resources. So they would, I think there was like three different task forces that were made and then disbanded. And well, in the eighties too, Spokane was not a thriving metropolis. Exactly. Still kind of a small podunky well, that, place. I, yeah. And that's where you have to, I've tried to have empathy for, for these law enforcement people of like, this has never been a problem here before, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. South Hill was like the nicer part of town. That's another frustrating thing is once they actually got it together and like gathered all of the disparate attacks and looked at a map, it wasn't just the South Hill, it was all over fucking town. Yeah. And then that's when they figured out that he was following the buses. There had never been a permanent police rape unit. There were units for homicide, auto theft, bad checks, narcotic and vice. Oh. And the South Hill cases have been assigned on a scattershot basis from the beginning. Huh. So you've got a fucking bad check unit, <laughs> but not sexual assault. And I, I mean, okay. Yeah. Maybe that was just because it wasn't necessary. They almost kind of like, Oh yeah, these weird perverts, you know, they just gotta, you know, wave their wiener around and get their rocks off. But he was escalating. And I think if he hadn't been caught, then I, I think he would have murdered a woman next because he was getting more and more violent. And when I talk about him shoving these other mitts, I mean, these women had abrasions in their throats. Some of them, he would shove it so far back they couldn't breathe. And so I think at the very least he may have accidentally asphyxiated a woman, mm -hmm. but he also, so I guess another psychopathic trait is you mix in poo poo and pee pee with sexual stuff. So he was always trying to get women to urinate and defecate on him. Yeah. How it, do you even do that? How logistically you're in the bushes? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it all, it sounds uh. like it all happened really, really quickly too. Because again, these things are just, it's happening like right out in public, like right on a running track, right in a yard. 
somewhere right in someone's side yard in an alley. He finally gets caught. The interesting thing is that's a juxtaposition to the sheer volume of assaults in this case is he, I think he got charges pressed for like six rapes. He ultimately gets 25 years for, for one because so in June of 1984, the Supreme court tossed out all of his convictions because they, a bunch of the victims had been hypnotized because since he was grabbing them from behind, they couldn't very few of his victims really got a good look at his face. And so they were using hypnosis to see if they could pull some more information. And so, yeah, they decided that um, all the testimony from women who had been hypnotized oh was garbage, God. right? Like, and oh, I can't imagine being one of these God. women where you're like, I don't remember. Okay. We're going to hypnotize you. Okay. I'll go get hypnotized. Oh, now your testimony's worthless and your whole story's worthless. Cause we had you Holy hypnotized. Shit. What the ever loving shit. I mean, what a bunch of crap, but the level of asshole that this guy is just a level of self-obsession. He would say like, oh, I'm on this stringent anti-hypoglycemic diet, so I have to eat a lot of beef. And his whole thing with the shoplifting was, um, he said, uh, I practice a specific application of psycho-cybernetics and mental discipline called laser life. This is a system of mental control, which allows near-perfect concentration on any given subject. I go in and out of laser life states throughout any given day. This heightens mental awareness and allows for extraordinary achievement, but it also makes the e- makes easy the forgetting of things other than the subject of conf- concentration. My mind was lasering in on my day's crowded schedule, and I forgot all about the groceries I was carrying. And so he was saying that he was so involved with this laser life mental <laughs> exercises that he forgot he was carrying a bunch of fucking steaks and Perrier. And that's how he got busted with the shoplifting. So the level of bullshittery, this guy, this guy is like, Dude. there's nothing to him. He's just bullshit. It's, it's all bullshit. He's completely shallow. Like there's nothing there. So then how does a right-minded, a right-minded woman say, I would like to be your girlfriend? I mean, I would like, how does yeah, that happen? I don't know. I can't figure this lady Ginny out because she just... <sighs> She keeps covering for him. She keeps making excuses for him because he's coming home from these jogging sessions with scrapes, injuries. Who, Ginny? So oh. he's, oh, they he's would have a fight home or whatever. With them. Okay. And he would say, I'm going to go out jogging. He would leave in his gray jogging outfit, usually with a blue down vest over the top and a stocking cap. And she was just like, okay. Like, I kind of, this, this lady, oi, oi, oi. It didn't hit her until the cops showed up at her house with a search warrant and started taking shit out. And only then was she like, oh, she'd almost called the tip line about him a couple of times because she was like, I don't know. This is just really adding up. And these times that he's going for these jogs and do do do. And she he also would not allow her to go down into the basement. Oh. He would do laundry at all kinds of weird hours. She came home one time and the oven mitts were wet and like shoved into the refrigerator drawer drying in the, you know, the, the door handle. And she's like, what's up with the, you, you've been washing the oven mitts? And he's like, don't worry about it. She's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, girl, yeah. I am sure she's got her own fucked up deck of cards to play, but play, like, yeah. wow, Jeez. she just kept pissing up that rope. He goes to trial, gets convicted 25 years. His mom tried to hire a hitman to have the prosecutor and judge in the case murdered. And she got busted <laughs> and she went and served several months in jail. How about that shit? What? Yeah. <laughs> so first she's like, my son never did this. Da, 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 da. And then she's lying for him saying that, oh yeah, we were, we were driving around looking for the real rapist. You know, they probably had OJ in the back too, right? Like trying to catch the real killer. And then, yeah, she. So in all of this, I, I is that, is that what we're going to turn into? Right? Would we defend is- our sons in this sort of a situation? Like, this is a cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale. Would you defend your son Fuck no. like that? No. I, I have to say, when I now when I see things like the Brock Turner case, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, of course, I feel horrible for the victim. And then I look at the parents, and I'm like, yeah, you've lost you your son up. because it's you, like the guilt that you created this and sent it out to yeah. the world somehow. Yeah, which I think 
must have to do with creating a sense of entitlement in your son, Mm -hmm. telling them that they're special, telling them that they can do no wrong. Right. You know, and this guy too, with his situational ethics, this Fred Coe guy, I mean, how psychotic is that? Situational ethics. That's just a fart in the wind. Like what the fuck even is that? Yeah. You know, it's such, so that laser life quote, I, part of the reason I pulled it was just to show that he would just rattle shit off mm-hmm. until you just were like, okay, it's fine. I, I can't follow what's going on. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And he would get into something just enough to be able to like rattle off a smart ass quote, but he never really understood any of it. And he still is saying that he's innocent. And so what happened was he got convicted. A bunch of the convictions got overturned. I think in a lot of the time, a lot of these cases, when there's so many crimes, it's frustrating for the people who are the victims of some of the other crimes, because I think that they usually just, they know that if they can get the person on just one of these things mm-hmm. airtight mm-hmm. and just get them put away, mm-hmm. that that's a victory. So mm-hmm. they just kind of focus on mm-hmm. the one. And so then he served his time as 25 years. He never really wanted parole. And then in 1990, Washington passed the Community Protection Act, which was a civil commitment statute that allowed the state to indefinitely retain dangerous, sexually violent predators, even after their Hmm. sentences ended. So he didn't try to get treatment. He never admitted that he did anything. So after his time was served, they put him in uh, McNeil Island. And so he's going to basically... What's that? McNeil Island is the... It's a rehab facility for sexual predators, it's an island in Puget Sound. It opened, I think it opened in 1990. He's just living out there. Mm. The last interview I saw with him, he was kind of like, well, what am I going to do if I get out? He's like, I've, I've just been here. I've got no skills. I've got no family. His mom, I think Ruth died back in like 96. So I think that's a fair point. Like, yeah, why, why release him now? Yeah. Even if he gets so old and decrepit that he's not a danger to anybody. I think if this guy can walk, he's going to rape. If he can move his body, he will find a way to harm women for sure. So you didn't know about McNeil Island? Mm -mm. Ooh, no. Yeah. Where where in Puget Sound? Just out there, one of the little, little bitty islands. Really? It's a ferry that goes out, out and back every two hours. And Hmm. yeah, it's a facility for, for kind of the worst of the worst. It's, they're supposed to be getting treatment there. Because I was asking about another case, a friend of mine that knows what's up about some people getting sent there. But she's like, you know, they've only got, I think, 236 people there at any given time. So it's not a very big facility. But I kind of think it's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think it's good to have an island. Like, you yeah. can't get off of there. And that's why they they uh, enacted this, about this civil commitment statute. Because so often, you let these guys out, they just they go immediately like they don't even go to the store f- for yogurt before they go and they reoffend because it's it's who they are it's how their brain works you know so whoo that's the story of Fred Coe gross what a gross asshole and just such a weirdo and his mom is such a weirdo i'm going to try to find my favorite clips from that movie and put them in the show notes cuz Wow. I'm glad that I got to view it the way that I did. Because the guy that plays Fred, he's all right. He's just kind of playing it weird and dead-eyed. I would say his performance from what I saw lacks nuance. I kept thinking about that too, Ginger. Like, what is this Lady Ginny's deal where she's just got these blinders on and for, I think they were together for three years, that he just kept taking from her? Yeah. You know? Because well, he would... I guess he- if, you're, if you're psycho, then you give your... You give a different personality to your significant other, right? A different, well, a different side. Everybody, everybody, right? That's, I think that's another thing is just, just, everything is calculated. So you're just giving people what you think they want at that moment. Right. You know, and I've known people like this too, that would just, yeah, yeah say whatever. If you had something, they would no. happily take it from you with it, with no shame and just figure like, well, if you couldn't really afford it, you wouldn't be giving it to me. So gimme, 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 just use you up. And, and then when you say something that they don't like, then it's just like, and that's how this guy was too. I think, I think he, he literally drove that Jenny lady into alcoholism. And then this Ginny lady, I think he just had her so completely spun around and blinded. She was just, okay. Because she sounds like a perfectly lovely person. She she sold houses. She was, you know, she ended up 
having to get out of the real estate business though, because he ruined her career. Yeah. So one other story too that I have to tell that I was just reading in the book last night. So the dildo, he hid it in in one of the houses that he had access to with his realtor key, <laughs> along with one of the sweaters that he had been spotted wearing during a lot of the attacks. What? And so his childhood friend Jay, who this is fucking this Jay guy just Jay comes to see him in jail. He's writing these notes to Jay. He's like, dude, we can't talk. The line's bugged. So he's writing these notes to Jay of like, I got this dildo. It's in this house. I need you to go get it. And the guy's like, how am I supposed to do that? So guy's like, okay, okay. Goes to the house, realizes there's people living in the house now. And he's like, I don't care. I need you to go back and get that dildo by any means necessary. So then the guy's like, all right. So he's like, just show up, say you're a realtor, say you're just, you need to do a walkthrough. He goes to these people's house. And again, the level of trust in early 80s Spokane. He's like, yeah, I'm a realtor. I need to check out your house. And they're like, all right, well, we're just watching TV. Do you mind if we just go sit back down? He's like, no, no, no. And they offer their son, who it sounds like was like eight. They're like, oh, uh, little Jeff can take you around the house. And he's like, I'm good. He goes to where the dildo is. And it sounds like it's in like an under the stairs storage nook. And he has to dig through all these like stuffed animals and kids toys. And he reaches back and he finds it. And it's so fucking huge. He's like... He shoves it under his coat <laughs> and he it's like yakety sacks. He's trying to get out of the house. He's like, oh, thanks. You know, trying to hide it from this lady. This Jay guy's whole stupid thing was like, well, I'm going to leave it up to God. If God wants the cops to find this dildo, then he'll point them in the dildo's direction. <laughs> but if I meant, if God wants me to have the dildo, then he'll allow that to happen. And so... <laughs> And Fred Coe was like, yeah, I want you to get the dildo and cut it up into a hundred pieces. And, and he keeps like rationalizing it to himself. This Jay guy is like, well, it probably wasn't used in any crimes. And oh, I mean, what could the dildo have been involved in? And it's like, oh, I don't know. Your fucking sexual predator psycho BFF wants you to ditch a dildo. I would maybe. What the fuck? What the fuck, Ginger? Good Lord. (laughs) So, son. a psychopath. <laughs> Highly recommend it. Check it out. All right. That's my story for, for this. Thanks, Lorraine. Thanks again. Thanks oh my to goodness. Thank you to all the Tulpas and especially our, again, our Tulpa of the Month. Thanks for being a friend. And Big Feelings Pod on all of the things, including Facebook. And if you have any fun stories about your footlong dildo that you want to share or anything related to anything we've covered, fun prizes you've won, feel free to put a picture on the Facebook page. Interact with us. We're here for you. Bye. Bye.